So funny things show up in church publications, both funny mistakes that show up in church publications, and I thought I'd just share a few of them with you this morning, so just indulge me with a few of my favorites. Bertha Belch, I thought this was appropriate because we have a missionary with us today. Bertha Belch, a missionary from Africa, will be speaking tonight at Calvary Memorial Church in Racine. Come tonight and hear Bertha Belch all the way from Africa. (laughs) This was an announcement in a church bulletin about the National Prayer and Fasting Conference, and this is what it said. The cost for attending the Prayer and Fasting Conference includes meals. Today, the pastor will preach his farewell message, after which the choir will sing, Break Forth into Joy. I, I don't know where I found this one, but we actually had a lady in our church when I was growing up as a kid, and her name was Charlene Mason, and so I just have always thought this one was funny. Uh, Miss Charlene Mason sang, I will not pass this way again, giving obvious pleasure to the congregation. Ladies, don't forget the rummage sale. It's a chance to get rid of those things not worth keeping around the house. Don't forget your husbands. The peacemaking meeting scheduled for today has been canceled due to a conflict. I like this one too. The sermon this this morning, Jesus walks on water. The sermon tonight, searching pick will be what is hell. Come early and listen to our choir practice. I don't think those were intended to go together in our church and community. And then this last one, don't let worry kill you, let the church help. Well, we don't want the church to kill you, and we don't want worry to do the job either. So this morning, I want to just talk to you for a few minutes about how we, as followers of Jesus, can win over worry and anxiety in our lives. The teaching of Jesus from on the Mount is the most substantial teaching of Jesus in one place in the Gospels. We have several chapters of the Gospel of Matthew that really entail kind of one teaching from Jesus. And right in the middle of this teaching about the kingdom of God and how to live faithfully as people of the kingdom, Jesus talks about the importance of not worrying and not being anxious. And we're going to spend just a few minutes this morning unpacking these, uh, th- these paragraphs, this teaching of Jesus, to see how uh, he wants us to respond as his followers when we feel worry and anxiety creeping into our lives. Now, I don't need to tell you this, but in our culture, in our community, and in many of our lives... And this makes sense. I mean, when you really stop and think about what we've been through over the last few months, we were hit by a global health crisis that was created by COVID, right? And we've had to adjust to all kinds of new realities and new situations. We've, we've seen graphics on the news telling us about this virus and flattening the curve, and we've been challenged to, to, to stay at home, to stay away from one another, to keep our distance, Right? And in the middle of all of that, we've had to learn social isolation and how to cope with that. We've faced economic uncertainties and setbacks and hardships. Education has been delayed 
and there's been setbacks in that whole field, I particularly think about the youngest students who are in that critical phase of their education where they're learning how to read and they're learning the skills that will help them succeed in the future, and they've been uh, kind of delayed in that as a result of the educational setbacks. And we're learning all kinds of new things, like how to use hand sanitizer every three seconds, right? Everywhere we go, there's hand sanitizer, and we're trying to figure out, do we wear masks or not? How do we greet each other? Do we do a fist bump? Is it an elbow bump? Do we just wave? Do we just not look at other people when we're in the store so we don't have to greet them? We're kind of navigating all of these realities, and we're trying to figure out how to cope with all of that. And then right in the middle of this, we, we realize that seniors in high school and in college are missing out on those last things, right? Like their last sports season, their farewell concert, their graduation, their prom, their senior trip. All of those opportunities are gone for them because of COVID, and then in the middle of all of this pandemic that we've been walking through, Mr. Floyd loses his life at the hands of a police officer who acted with unacceptable and uncalled for violence. And that event in the middle of COVID became a spark plug that ignited racial tensions across our nation. Peaceful protests have happened all across our country, reminding us that if we want all lives, because we're all created equal in the image of God, and we've been having that conversation, and unfortunately, in the midst of all of these peaceful protests, some of those have boiled over into unlawful and destructive rioting, which has damaged communities and harmed neighborhoods, and we've been dealing with that. We've been having uh, debates. Unfortunately, a lot of our debates in culture happen in news sound bites and social media posts. And those have just been driving a wedge between people as this all has been unfolding. And then as if a global health pandemic and racial tensions across our nation weren't enough for us to deal with, we're in the middle of an election year. Gotta love 2020. Right? We're in the middle of this election year, and the reality is in an election year, we have uh, politicians who politicize everything. Even faith is politicized in this day and age, and politicians are attacking one another, and they're playing to their respective bases, and their messages end up not bringing us together as a country. They end up dividing us even further. And so we find ourselves in a day and age where we have this Reality of social isolation driven by COVID. We have economic uncertainty. We have racial tensions. We have a divisive political climate. And in the middle of all of that, we're supposed to just live our lives like everything's okay. And the reality is, is that many of us in our society, in our community, and in our own church are struggling with worry and anxiety and fear that's creeping into our lives because everything seems shaky and uncertain right now. Can anyone else feel what I'm talking about? Or am I the only one? Right? We live in a crazy... We, we keep saying that maybe things are going to get back to normal. None of us really, if we're honest, know what that means. Right? And so when we really stop and think about it, there's this tendency to, to worry, 
There's a tendency to be anxious. It's normal. And those are just the big issues. We haven't talked about like the stuff that's just in your life that might cause you to worry. Right? It's just a normal thing that we're trying to deal with right now. So I say all of that not because I want to make you worry more, but because I think it's important for us to really turn our attention to the teaching. I actually think the word of God instructs us and guides us into how we should live our lives moment by moment and day by day. And when it comes to worry and anxiety, it's no different. The scriptures have things to say about how we should respond to this. And so we're gonna look at this passage of scripture, but before we do, I wanna pray for us and ask God to speak to us. So would you be gathered here in this place, in your presence? And God, we just acknowledge that we are living in constantly having to adjust to new realities and new developments. This is part of where we are in our culture. Together to seek you on this day. And so God, we are asking you in this very moment that you would speak to our hearts through your word. That you would give us guidance and direction for our daily lives as it relates to this whole idea of worry and anxiety. We want your peace to guard our hearts and our minds in Christ Jesus. We want your strong arm to hold us during these days. And we want to know, God, the promise of your word is still true, that you will not let us go in our lives. And we want your peace to wash away all of our anxiety. So we're coming to you in this moment, and we're asking that you would let your word be a lamp to our feet and a light to our path. That will help us navigate the times in which we live and to do so with peace because we know the God that we serve and we know that you are holding us in the midst of this time. So God, we pray that you would open our hearts and minds to hear what you want to say to us through your word today. And we pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, I don't know about you, but if you've ever thought about the question, is it possible to live a life that's free from worry, you might find yourself answering that question like I answer it. There's one whole side of me that when I think about God and I think about how big God is and how great God is and how much I know God, that I think to myself, of course it's possible to live a worry-free life. I mean, nothing is impossible. Then the other side of me, when I'm not so focused on faith, is this side over here that says, but what about the bills? What about, what about the things that threaten our health and our safety in our world? What about war and terrorism? What about, what about all of the stuff that my kids have to deal with as they go through their daily lives that could knock them off the path that God has for them? And I, I worry about those things and I get anxious about those things. Now, this may not be true of you, right? You may just be able to stay over here all the time, but if I'm honest with you today, which I should be, right, because this is church, that I have moments when I'm over here and I'm full of faith and I'm letting the perspective of who God is defined by his word shape the way I'm thinking about life. 
but I have moments when I get over here and I let my own reality and experience become bigger in my life than the word of God and the character of God, and that's when I start to worry. So when someone asks me, is it possible to live a worry-free life, I want to say yes, but I kind of know that this exists over here too. Anybody else with me this morning? You ever go back and forth between those two realities? An important perspective, but, but we should ask, what does Jesus think about this? Right? I think that's part of discipleship, learning to approach the problems and the issues of our lives and of our day, not the way we think about it, but the way Jesus thinks about it. And in Matthew chapter 6, Jesus talks to us about worry. And so I want to just take a very few minutes here to talk to you about this passage of Scripture. And we're actually going to go pretty fast because this passage is pretty simple to understand. There's a main lesson that Jesus teaches, and there are three strategies. And I'm going to give you the main lesson first, and then we're just going to look at the three strategies very quickly. So the main lesson of Jesus in Matthew chapter 6, if you want to move towards a worry-free life, it begins with complete commitment to God. Complete commitment to God. You see, part of the reality in our lives that allows us to give in to worry is that there are times in our life where we think other things are more important than God, and so we give more airtime in our own minds and in our own hearts to those other things, and we let those other things control us as opposed to staying over here where we put ourselves in the complete and total care of God who loves us and who will hold us. He'll never leave us, never forsake us, never let us go, and he'll never fail us. And we can stay in his care if we just give everything to him. But there's this weird thing that we do as human beings. We like to give things to God, but then we like to keep some things for ourselves. Right? Like, God, you can totally take care of my soul and my eternal destination, but I'm going to worry about my finances. Right? Or, God, I'm going to trust you with my life, but I'm going to worry about my kids. I'll take care of them. Right? And, and we could go down the list of whatever worries come to your mind. There are things that we, we give to God, and then there are things we keep for ourselves. And what Jesus says at the very beginning of this passage is if you want to live a worry-free life, it all begins by going all in. There's nothing in your life that you should hold back from God. He wants it all. So if there's anything in your life that you find yourself saying, I'll take care of that, that's the very thing that you need to surrender to God, right? Jesus says in this passage, you can't serve God and money is the example he uses in this passage, but it's really you can't serve God and anything else. You can't have two masters. You can only have one. You either serve God or you don't. Right? There isn't kind of a middle road. There isn't a, a fence that you can sit on. You got to go all in with God. Sorry for the poker analogy in church on Sunday morning. You got to take all of the chips and you got to slide them into the table and say, God, this is all yours. And if you're holding any back for yourself, you're not fully submitted to God. 
Now, we know this is the foundation of a worry-free life because Jesus tells us right after he says you can't serve God and money, you got to love one and hate the other or, or be devoted to one and despise the other. you got to choose one master and it ought to be God. Right after that, he says, therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life. In other words, if you've gone all in with God, you don't need to worry about anything because God's got this. Now, we have to remind ourselves of this all the time, right? Because this other side exists, right? We have moments where we're like, how are we going to pay that bill? How is that actually going to be done? Some of you are worried about, am I going to have a job next week? And that's a concern, 100%. But please, please remember that if you've given everything to God, you can trust God. You can trust him. You can't serve God and anything else. You've got to make a decision. And once you decide to serve God fully with every part of your life, you don't need to worry anymore. That's what Jesus says. Therefore, I tell you, do not worry. Later in the passage, he'll say, do not be anxious about anything. Don't be anxious about this stuff. You don't need to be because God's got you. And if, in case you missed the main lesson, he comes back to it at the end. Seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and what he will take care of all of these other things. That's who God is and that's what God promises to do in our lives. So, foundation of a worry-free life, complete commitment to God, sell out, give everything to him. Now, three strategies that I wanna give you very quickly from this passage and we're going to go very quickly. The first one is this. You must reflect often on the comprehensive care of God. Reflect often on the comprehensive care of God. Jesus uses two illustrations from nature in this passage as he's teaching this important point. He says, look at the birds of the air. They don't plant, they don't reap, they don't have barns that they store. God provides for them. And then he says, look at the lilies of the field. They don't toil or spin, yet they're clothed with beauty. And they're so temporary. They're here today and they're gone tomorrow. And yet God takes care of them. And the, the point that Jesus is making is if God takes care of birds and God takes care of flowers of the field that are here today and gone tomorrow, don't you think he'll take care of you? You're way more important than birds, and you're way more important than flowers. You're created in the image of God, and God will take care of you. So if you find yourself worrying, even if you've given everything to God and worry and anxiety's creeping in, just go for a walk. And when a bird flies overhead, just remind yourself, God takes care of that bird. And find a flower and look at that flower, the intricacies, the beauty of it, and remind yourself, God takes care of this flower. And if God takes care of the birds and God takes care of the flowers, he's going to take care of you. Reflect on the care of God. Second, remember that worry doesn't work. Worry doesn't work. Now, this is uh, maybe just a good reminder to us, but Jesus makes a point of saying, who of you can add to your life by worrying? The answer, no one can. So you can worry all you want about coronavirus. You can't add a single inch to your life by worrying. Because at the end of the day, worry is you trying to control the situation. And guess what? You're not God. 
Sorry if some of you hadn't gotten that memo yet. Just That was a spoiler alert. Right? When we try to worry, we're trying to take control of our lives instead of trusting God. Right? Now, I'm not saying that we shouldn't have any healthy concern or take any appropriate steps. I'm not saying that. Not worrying doesn't mean be stupid. Right? You should still put your seatbelt on every time you get in the car. Okay? Because it's just smart. Right? That doesn't mean that you're not worried God's going to take care of you. No, that's foolishness. And if you need to know what happens to fools, just read the book of Proverbs. It doesn't usually turn out good for fools. So be smart, right? Be smart, but don't, don't worry because worry doesn't work. You can't add anything to your life by worrying. Your life's going to be what your life's going to be because God's got it. Corey Ten Boom said that worry uh, doesn't empty tomorrow of its sorrow. It empties today of its strength. That's a great reminder. Worry doesn't change tomorrow. It just diminishes life today. So every time you feel worry and anxiety creeping into your life during this season, use it as a trigger to trust God. Whatever the enemy intends for evil, turn it to good. So when worry starts to come, whatever the issue is, coronavirus or how you're going to pay that next bill or what's going to happen to your kids as they grow up, just every time worry comes, just turn that into trust and let the enemy's intentions for evil turn you to prayer and trusting God at deeper levels. Worry doesn't work, but trust does. So reflect on the care of God. Remember that worry doesn't work. And then third, rest in God's promise of provision. In this teaching, Jesus says, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these other things will be added to you. Well, what are the other things? What you're gonna eat and what you're gonna wear and, and all of the needs that you have in life. Your heavenly father knows that you need them. He already knows. And he's promised to provide for your needs. He's promised to take care of you. And remember the birds and the flowers. If he takes care of their needs, he's going to take care of yours. God is a God of provision. And he will take care of your needs. Now, this doesn't mean that you're going to have everything that you want. Right? I've asked God to provide a Range Rover for me for like decades now. I just want a Range Rover, particularly a sport edition. Eats. I just think they're beautiful. I think it's probably because that's not a need it's just a want, but I can take you over the course of my life, time after time after time after time, where God provided exactly what I needed in exactly the right moment in ways that only he could have done. Because there have been times in my life where God was the only one who knew the need, and God met it because God is a God of provision. Now, I want to just encourage your heart today. I don't think God wants us to be people who are overwhelmed and losing to worry. I think they are tools of the enemy used to keep us from the life that God wants us to live. Now, that's not to say that winning over worry is easy or that it's just, you know, snap your fingers and it's over. No, it might be a constant struggle. 
But I think God wants to help us win over worry. And it all begins when we sell out to God. If we've given everything to God, then these three strategies start to make sense. We can reflect on the care of God. We can remind ourselves that worry doesn't work and use it as a trigger for trusting God more. And we can just rest in the fact that God's going to provide. And we can watch him do what he does. But it's really, really important for us to come back to the main lesson. When I was a kid, uh, we went to church every Sunday. And uh, I think the first time I was in church, I don't remember much about it, but I was four days old the first time I was in church. And uh, I'm pretty sure the sermon was boring because I think I slept through it uh, on that first time I was at church. Um, but as I grew up uh, in church a little bit, again, every Sunday we were there, I have to be honest with you that there was a season of life in those preteen years where I didn't like going to church. I kind of thought it was boring. Some of you might be thinking that today, like, yeah, it, it, maybe it is. Um, but I, I kind of thought church was boring. And so when I was uh, preteen, I would go to church, and, and the first thing I would do when I got to church, I'd look for my friends. And I would try to sit with my friends, and, and we would try to find, we were preparing to be good Wesleyans. We always looked for the seats in the back. Wesleyans like seats in the back. I'm not sure why, but, but we were training as kids to learn that. So we would sit in the back, and, and uh, if the closer to the back, the better. And we would do all kinds of things during church to keep our attention, and we would uh, start playing and see who could win the most games. We played another game. I don't know if you've ever played this one, but we would do a grid of dots on the bulletin, and then everybody gets to draw a line, you take turns, and then as you box in the grid, you can write your initial in there, and then you count it up at the end. Anybody else play this game, or was this just like a weird Delaware thing where I grew up? Okay, good. I feel better now. Um, so we play these games, and those were all fun, and they kept our attention, and, and it kept us engaged in church, at least a little bit. Now, what I'm going to say next, a little disclaimer here for all the kids in the room, you should never ever, ever, ever do what I'm getting ready to tell you that I did as a kid in church. You should never, ever, ever do this, okay? But I did this as a kid. Our church had these little pens that they put in the pew backs. They were little click pens, and uh, those were put there, I think, for our entertainment, we obviously used them for tic-tac-toe, and we used them for our little, you know, grid game that we played. But the funnest thing that we did with these pens in church, again, kids, please, please, don't do this. Okay? You'll notice that there are no pens in the pew backs. We would take these pens apart. And if you take the pen apart, inside there was just the, you know, the, the cartridge with the ink in it, the point of the pen, and then there was a spring on the top of the pen. That's what actually makes the pen click, right? Click it and it stays down, click it again, it comes back up. It's the spring that makes it work. And we would take these pens apart, we would take the spring off the top, we would put the spring on the point of the pen and then pull that spring down as tight as we could possibly get it. And then we would point that pen whichever direction we wanted the spring to go. And we would let those springs fly across the room. Now, this was entertaining for us because inevitably the spring would fly across the room and sometimes it, 
we would get lucky and it would hit somebody. And of course, they couldn't see it because the spring would bounce off and go on the floor and they would just be looking around and we would be sitting in the back thinking, this is hilarious. Kids, kids, do not do this in church. Okay? The best part, though, was we would put these pens back together after the springs were gone because they're laying somewhere. We didn't go look for the spring after church. We just put the pens back together, put it back in the pew back. Then later... A few weeks later, sometimes, you might see someone with the pen trying to make the pen work, but there's no spring in it, so it doesn't work anymore. When you think about the teaching of Jesus in Matthew chapter 6, you can have the strategies. You can look at the birds and you can look at the flowers. You can remind yourself till you're blue in the face that worry doesn't work. And you can try to rest in God's promise of provision. But if you have not completely sold out to God, it doesn't matter. Because those are just strategies. But the foundation of a worry-free life, the spring of the pen is found in going all in with God. And so if you find yourself in the midst of this season that we are in with a life that is being overrun by worry and anxiety, I don't want you just to use the strategies. I want you to evaluate your commitment level to God. Is there something you're holding back from him? Is there something you're trying to control in your own strength and in your own power? Because without commitment to God, the strategies don't work. The pen has lost its functionality. So this morning, before Jessica comes to give us our benediction, I want to just invite you to take a moment, heads bowed, eyes closed, just you and the Lord, right where you're sitting this morning. Is there something that you have in your life right now that is just overrunning you with worry. Underneath of that, is that because it's something that you're trying to keep control of, you're trying to manage in your own strength and in your own power? Does it suggest that there's some area of your life that you've not yet turned over to him? Maybe it's your relationships, maybe it's your family, maybe it's your money. Maybe it's the situations that we're facing in our society right now. You can't serve God and something else. You can only serve God. So this morning, I want to just encourage you to go all in with God. With nobody looking around this morning, I want to just give you a moment because there's some people in this room who have never decided to follow Jesus. You've never given any part of your life to God because you, you didn't know that you wanted to or that it was important to do so. But maybe today, as you've thought about the teachings of Jesus, maybe you've just come to a place in your life where you're like, you know what, today's the day I need to surrender my life to Jesus. I need to make a decision to follow him. And so if you're in this room, nobody's looking around, and I'm not going to embarrass you, but if you just say, you know what, today is the day that I want to just decide to give my life to Jesus for the very first time. I've never done this before, but I'm making a decision to follow Jesus for the rest of my life. Anybody here, just raise your hand. I'm not gonna embarrass you. I'm not gonna, not gonna call you out. Just anybody that's willing to make that commitment today.
Now, maybe there's someone here this morning that uh, you've been maybe walking with the Lord for a while, but maybe worry and anxiety is getting the best of you. And today you just say, you know what? I'm going to surrender my worry and anxiety to God in a new way today. I'm going to give control over to him of whatever those areas are, control of my entire life over to God, whether you're watching online or whether you're here in this room. If that's you this morning, I just want you to raise your hand. I'm just going to pray for you. If you say, you know what, there are things I'm worried about, and I'm going to give some things to God this morning. Yeah, there are hands going up. Anybody else? Yeah, hands going up all over. Yeah. So God, I pray for all of these people with hands raised this morning. God, there are things that we worry about. There are things that make us anxious. And yet, we are reminded that you have taught us in your word that we shouldn't worry. We shouldn't be anxious because you've got this. You've got this. So would you help us in our own hearts and minds to just have an enlarged vision of who you are today. And may we be encouraged in your care in your provision, and in the way that you watch over us. Help us when worry comes to turn it into trust, to give more and more and more of all of our lives to you so that you can care for us. God, we love you and we praise you. And we give these moments to you now in Jesus' name. Amen.